So let me start with this. How many of you guys have either heard or said children are a gift from God? Raise your hand. Children said, okay. How many of you also felt like children act like the devil, you know, more than a gift? Okay, so... Children are a gift from God. That is, that is a common phrase that gets told, uh, you know, among followers of Christ, but also just in our world. Like, isn't it a gift from God? But I want to explain something to you, uh, that when we get gifts from God, there are two types of gifts that we can receive from him. One is the gift of ownership. The other is the gift for stewardship or to manage. Like, for example, uh, I can get a gift from my neighbor. If my lawnmower breaks down, he will allow me to use his lawnmower. It is a complete gift, but it's a gift of stewardship. I don't own the lawnmower. I'm just using it for that period of time, and then I will return it back to them. Uh, another example would be if somebody lends you their car or lends you a home you know, to be able to go a vacation with, and you're like, man, they're saying, use it, make it your own, and it's a gift. It truly is a gift, but it's a gift of stewardship, not a gift of ownership. The reason I say that is because when it comes to kids... It truly is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, a gift of stewardship, not a gift of ownership. Kids are not ours. They are a gift from God to be managed, to be stewarded the best that we can, and it's a very large responsibility, but we then give that gift back to its owner, which is why last week it makes so much more sense for us to understand the goal in aligning with what parenting is about. So if you're a follower of Christ, the parent's goal is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until it rests solely on God. So our goal is that, God, you've given me this gift, so now my goal is to raise this by your will, your design, to teach them to love you, so that when they leave me and they go on to their world, that we're, we're helping them understand of their love and their connection to God. That that's the goal of parenting, because we have been entrusted with this gift, now, it also helps on days when you want to kill your child, and they're like making all these mistakes, and you're like, God, it's your, it's your ownership, not my deal. You know, so you take care of the issue. I will manage the best way that I can. And so today we're going to look at four, just four unchanging principles of parenthood. You know, whether uh, you're a different age stage, a different part of the world, these are four things that apply to all parenthood. Now, if you're not a parent, uh, I want to let you know that this sermon and this series applies to you. I'm going to talk and illustrate by talking about parenthood, but I want to see if you can contextualize to your relationship with other people and your relationship with God. Okay, with that as the foundation, we find our story today in Mark chapter 10, where Jesus has an encounter with some kids. It says this, one day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and he could bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. And so there's some stuff we can learn from the parents as well as Jesus as it pertains to some principles when it comes to parenting. And here's the first principle we learn from the parents, and that is all of us need godly support. We need support. Now, you're going to read podcasts, books, and all that kind of stuff on parenting, and you'll be like, Dan, I've heard this before. I need support. No, no, no. Notice the nuance. You need godly support. 
There are differences between having support, which is great, just to have support in parenting, but godly support. So the first thing that we need to understand when it comes to godly, godly support is they brought their children to Jesus. And so for us to regularly understand, I am bringing this gift that you own back to you on a regular daily basis. And how do we do that? How do we bring our kids to Jesus frequently? One of the ways is, is we get to pray daily. God, I need your guidance and your wisdom to help know how to raise this specific child, or I need your help today, or I need a word from your word before I go get support and ideas from everybody else around me. What do you have to say with whatever I am going through? Because this is your child and you know them better than even I do. So you get to bring them to Jesus on a regular basis. Now, one of the ways that we do this as a church is we have these um, weekends of dedication. We dedicate our children unto God. What we're doing is the parents are saying, I am dedicating this gift that God has bestowed on me, on me to steward, and I'm saying, God, I'm going to raise this child unto you. That's what, that's what we had this a few weeks ago, and some people have already asked, when's the next one? And that happens to be May 4th, Thursday, May 7th, Sunday. So you're more than welcome to sign up now if that's something that you would like to do before God and before others in kind of an official capacity. Other ways that you can bring your kids to Jesus is by committing weekly to attending services. Uh, this is why it's important. Right now, your elementary and below kids are having their large group time focused on Jesus, and in relationship with other people. They break up into small group time as well. Something you can't do as well at home if you're just watching the streaming. They have their time. And so I encourage you to bring your kids to Jesus every single week. Make weekend service on-site, face-to-face a priority. Now, if you have youth, middle school and high school, we have group on Wednesday night. There's a Wednesday night group for middle school and high school. If that doesn't work, Thursday night, we have life groups, smaller groups for middle schools on Thursday night. And then Sunday night, we have it for high school. In addition to that, we've got activities or camps. So you got kids camp, summer camp, high school, middle school, as well as winter camp that's even coming up in a few weeks. These are all ways in which you're bringing your kids and helping them learn and grow about Jesus. Now, personally, I get it. I get the tension of the busy schedules and, and all these other priorities and things that we have in our lives. So let me give you two practical things that we have done in our lives as we are navigating this. Now, most of you know, I have three children. I have a 20-year-old who's at college, but I have a 17-year-old son. His name is Alex, and he's a junior in high school. I also have a 12-year-old daughter named Angelie. So I have an elementary and a high school student. And so with Alex's schedule, uh, most Wednesdays don't work for him at this stage and age. It doesn't with the activities and the sports and the different things that he's involved in. He can make it from different seasons to times to time. But do you know what he is committed to and can make on a regular basis is Sunday night. Because Sunday night, he gets his homework done either beforehand, you know, or make sure he gets it done afterwards. But he says, no, this is the time. And he drives himself out. Or when he was younger, we make sure that he goes because this is an opportunity for us to put this first. Or another example, uh, because he plays basketball, uh, we, have, we have winter camp coming up, and he has a game on that Friday night of winter camp. So we're like, most of us would be like, well, I guess he can't go to winter camp this year. Uh-uh. We talked to him, and so we've arranged, as soon as his game is done, we will get in a car and we will drop him off at winter camp so that he still gets to be there for Friday night and for Saturday and for Sunday morning and have that encounter and experience. Uh, I'll give you another example. Angelie, uh, she's playing volleyball now. So uh, literally today is her first ever tournament uh, uh, being able to be played, and she's at Sandpoint with her mom. 
And so it'd be very easy to say, hey, you know, can't make services this week. <laughs> Not at Valley Real Life, because we have a Thursday service. And so guess what? This Thursday, she was four rows back with her mom right over to my right. And we have told her, anytime that there is a weekend where you have one of these sports, we are going to be at church on that Thursday night. We're going to be able to do that, which is one of the reasons why we started Thursday anyway, to be able to navigate around this. Now, these are just the ideas and options for you. Now, where did I learn this? My dad. My dad, growing up, reminded and helped me by his model and example that coming to church was a habit and something that was important in my own development and commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, last week, we talked a lot more about this, so feel free to listen to that. Now, in order to have godly support, don't miss this, you've got to develop relationships with others who have the same goal. I'm not just saying have other friends who are parents in the same stage. Do you have relationships with other people who have the same goal that you have in raising a child as unto the Lord? Because if you have those people, you will get different advice because the advice will be grounded on the goal. So have you established those? Or have you established people in your life who had that goal and their kids are raised? And they can come alongside you. Or those of you who have raised kids, are you helping others, another generation, or even as an aunt or an uncle, come alongside the people in your life who do have kids to be able to raise them according to that goal? Now, where does that support come from? It starts in the home with your spouse. Are you on the same goal or plan when it comes to parenting? Because here's what we know. You were raised in one family, and unless you're from Kentucky, they were raised in a different family. <laughs> That's an 11 o'clock special. I don't know why that came to me right now. I have no idea. All right, so <laughs> I don't know if that was in taste or not. <laughs> That's funny to me. You know, after four services, I got to do something. Um, so here's, here's what we need to know. So <laughs> That's good. I don't know. I'm cracking up at myself. Um, so you come from different families, which means you have different values, even though they might be slightly off. And do you ever notice, those of you guys who've been married, how much you might argue just a little bit more when you have kids, especially as they get older? Why? Because you have different ideas that you've not sat down with the main goal to say, is this the goal of what we're trying to raise this child with? And if you don't believe me, just wait till you have your first Christmas together as parents. And you'll be realize, like, wait a minute, I thought we were going to do this way. Why did Because you didn't talk about it. So do you have the same goal? Now, for those of you who are in blended families... This is where this question comes in. Like, wait a minute, our family has these goals, but then they go to this family and doesn't have the same goals. First, have you had the conversation with the other family? Have you even just brought it up? Hey, what is your goal of parenting? Now that we're co-parenting this child, what are the goals? See if you can get on the same, same side. But if you can't, which I recognize, you can't control another family, can you? So you can only control while you have the kids under your care. So then you get to then decide as that family, hey, when you're in our house at our time, this is the goal that we have because of how much we love you. Yeah, but when I go over there, it's different. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry about that, you know, for many reasons, but this is what we're going to do in our family. So do you have those relationships in your life to be able to help you along with that goal? Now, an important but critical side note in all of this, you've got to prioritize your marriage above your children you got to prioritize your marriage above your children, or even career for that matter. Three highest times for divorce in America today. The three most common times that people get divorced is year one. 
Right? You got people get married and they're like, I can't believe we got married, or they wake up in Vegas, what happened? You know, all this other kind of stuff. So year one is a common time when people get divorced. The second most common time when people get divorced in America is between years five and seven. They call it the seven-year itch, you know, in some cases, but the circumstances are usually when you have one or two children under the age of five. And all of a sudden, you're not getting sleep, you're starting into your career, you got a lot of extra stress, you're trying to figure this out, and then many people say, I don't want to be in this anymore. You know the third most common time that people get, get divorced? After the kids are raised. So all of a sudden, in year 20 to 25, the last child is leaving out of the nest, you have this empty nest, and you look at each other, and you're like, I don't know you, and I don't even know if I like you, let alone love you. Because your world at some point became all about the kids and raising them that you neglected what you had before kids and the goal being being together after kids is supposed to happen as well. And so that's a danger that can easily happen in the busyness and the focus in our families. So I want to encourage you, date weekly on a regular basis. Date weekly. And when your kids say, but daddy, I want to go too. You're like, no, you can't because this is my and mommy time, which actually commutes, communicates something powerful to your kids that you do an overnight together without kids, that you actually do a vacation without kids, that's truly a vacation, not just a family trip. There's these opportunities for you to do this, to prioritize your marriage, and your kids will recognize that. And you're setting something them up for success for when they get married. And so there can be that tension. So when's the last time that you had a regular date, an overnight, a yearly experience with, with just your spouse without the kids? That might be an important part, you know, for you to prioritize your marriage with your kids. So the first principle of parenthood, again, is godly support. Godly support. Secondly, loving touch. A loving touch. See, Mark chapter 10, verse 13. One day some of the parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. See, it's fascinating. Jesus could have just said it from a distance. He could have spoken words to them. But there's something that God knows in how he created us, how touch brings connection, how it can bring attachment, comfort, and even healing when it comes to this healthy touch. There's a reason that even today they know as soon as you have a baby, they try as fast as they can to put the baby on the, child, on the mother's chest. Because there is a bonding that takes place through the physical touch that happens even back to infancy. And we recognize this through COVID when we stopped, you know, you know, appropriately touching one another, you know, on a regular basis that we miss this kind of power and interaction that we have on a regular basis. Now, when kids are babies, it's natural. They literally can't go anywhere without your touch. But as they get older, you got to keep entering into that touch. Like I remember... Um, uh, with my boys when they were in uh, elementary school, uh, we would we'd wrestle. It was kind of the wrestle thing. I'd come home and they'd be like, Dad, let's wrestle. And now Alex and Josiah um, are about three or four years uh, difference in age. So even when they're at that, you know, one is age four and one is age eight, uh, there is a difference in how you need to wrestle them. So I had to recognize when I'm wrestling with them, who was in which arm, you know, because I would use a lot more strength with Josiah than I would with Alex. Problem was, one time I got them confused and I chucked Alex all the way across the, across the, across the bed, you know, smashed right into to the, you know, um, uh, the, the table that was sitting you know, by the nightstand that was there. And uh, you know, he started going, 
And I did what any good father would do. You got it, buddy. Don't cry. It's okay. Be tough. Be tough. He's like, okay. You know, so he gets back on the bed, and he's, we start wrestling again. They're going to need therapy when they're older. Um, and all of a sudden, I realized, I look at my hand, and my hand is covered in blood. And I was like, ooh, something is not right. So let's everybody stop. So everybody stop. And I start examining. I look at Alex. In the back of his head, he's got a nice gash right in the back where his head had hit the night, the corner of the nightstand. So he is bleeding profusely on the back of his head. So I grab a towel really quick, and I put, you know, that uh, on the back of his head, and I quietly, as much as I could, walked down the stairs and gently told my wife, hey, honey, we need to go to the hospital. And she's like, what happened? She sees blood everywhere. I'm like, he's going to be okay. You know, and then CPS took Alex away, and I haven't seen him since. But you know, I check in from time to time. I think he's okay. But really, that physical touch, you know, you, gotta, you have to engage in that. And the hard part is when kids become teenagers or enter into that pre-teenage stage, uh, it can be more and more challenging because they give the vibe like they don't want it anymore. Like, mom, don't do that in front of my friends. It's embarrassing. You might have experienced that. Or you try to give them a hug, and you're just like, you can feel kind of the awkwardness. And yet, what we've known that the need for appropriate touch dramatically increases. And as in, even studies recently in, you know, have said for girls, especially during their preteen years. So, my daughter is 12 years old. Okay, so, so I can feel it's different now than when she was seven. You jump on my lap and all that kind of stuff. And other times I kind of come around her, she's like, Daddy, no. You know, I'm like, okay, I guess I need to give her space. And my wife's like, no, you need to continue to press in. She actually needs this from you now more than ever. I'm like, okay, thank you, because I would just smack my boys around and we're good. But with her, you know, this is something different. So here's what I've noticed. Even this, this happened this last week where, um, you know, I tried to come over and I tried to give her a hug. And she was like, no, Daddy. And I was like, oh, okay. And so then I said, all right, I'm going to have fun with you. So I looked at her. I said, look, little monkey, I put you down tonight, and I'm going to smother you with the covers. And she goes, whatever. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. So an hour later, you know, um, uh, it's time for her to go to bed. So I put her down. We do our prayers, and I'm about ready to leave. And I turn around, I jump on the bed, and I grab the covers, and I start smothering her and shaking her up and down. You know, and all of a sudden, she starts giggling, and she starts laughing. And in her laughter, she actually said these words. I thought you forgot. And I sat back and I was like, my wife was right again, darn it, you know. But she was exactly right. She downplayed this entire experience that night. And in her joy and laughter, she actually admitted what she needed the most. And so we've got to recognize that with our kids, that we make a commitment that every day we actually have an opportunity to lovingly touch and connect with our kids this way. Jesus said the church this way too. That's why we're supposed to, you know, hug and connect, shake hands. You know, the Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. Some of you singles are very excited right now. You know, um, that's not what we're meaning by that. But you see this, especially in Latin American churches and cultures, you know, different churches, there's that side cheek kind of kiss thing. This is embrace in Jewish culture. Hugely important for this, this, this embrace. Now I say appropriate touch for some of you guys who like to hold on to me a little longer than it's appropriate. And some of you know exactly who I'm talking to. Don't touch the pastor. Okay. Make it a goal. So, so far we've talked about godly support, loving touch. Now, this third one is so critical because for so many kids, how do they spell love? T-I-M-E. Especially in this day and age, abundant time is the third way that we are challenged and encouraged to love our kids. In Mark chapter 10, let's go back to this. 
But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. Don't these parents know kids should be seen and not heard? The Savior has a lot of stuff to do. He's got a lot of people to heal. He's got a lot of words that are important. Why are we wasting time having our kids come to Jesus? That's what they were saying to the parents. Stop bothering Jesus. Stop wasting his time. And then it says, when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. There's not many times in the Bible where Jesus says that Jesus was angry. He's angry at the religious leaders, he's angry at his disciples, and he overturned some tables that you can read about you know, as we get closer to Easter. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. You know, I was told this as a young parent that I've never forgotten from somebody who I believe was extremely wise, and that is, the days are long, but the years are short. The days are long. My son, Alex, turned 17 this last week. And I was like, oh my goodness, where has the time gone? And yet I also remember that there were, have been some very, very long days. And many of you know that. You know those times where you're like, will this child ever even sleep again? Or how are we going to get through this crisis with them? And those days seem so long that you're never going to get to the next day because of the things that are really going on in the child's life and you're trying to be there. And then all of a sudden it's over. And your time with your child in that stage is done. See, James chapter 4, verse 14 says, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. The days are long, but the years are short. So we've got to create intentional quality and quantity time with our kids. Again, remember, it's not just time, because you've heard other parenting books talk about, yeah, spend time with your kids and do activity stuff, and that is all good, but don't forget the goal, right? As some of that time focused on what you're bringing to your kids as unto the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. You talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the, low, on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. We're supposed to bring Jesus into those environments, not just time, which is good. Now again, we talked about this last week, but there, let me give you one other marker, one more other a practical way to do something that can be very significant in a child's life. When they become a preteen, that 11, 12, maybe 13-year-old age, uh, one of the things that was really helpful for me with all three of our kids was something called Passport to Purity. You can find this at Amazon, and what it does is it takes you on a journey with your child, an overnight experience, it could be one day, it could be two days, you know, where you get to have that special time to let them know what's coming up in the next stage of their life. So yes, it's the how's my body changing conversation as I enter into that phase of my life. Then it's awkward for parents and it's awkward for kids, so it helps walk you through that. But then there's also three-fourths of it is about what does it mean to be a man or woman of God? What does it mean to have purity in my life growing up? What does it mean to deal with peer pressure? And so it's a great experience. So I did it with each one of my boys, and Carolina recently has done it with Angelique. So great, great marker. So just another opportunity. And these these resources are so much better than when I had one when I grew up. Like When I grew up, my dad had me listen to a guy named James Dobson and these awkward cassette tapes. You know, and it was awkward. I mean, my dad was awkward, and these tapes were awkward. I'm like, this is just weird. We were in Wenatchee in the middle of absolutely nowhere, you know, camping, getting bit by bugs, and he just pushed play hour after hour. I'm like, when will this end? You know, and you get to the end, and my dad looks at me, and he says, hey, since there's nobody else around, then, hey, we're done. Let's uh, jump in the river naked. 
And I'm like, is that a thing? He's like, absolutely, becoming a man, let's do it. So I'm like, that's what we did. So when I took, you know, I'm trying to pass on legacy from one to another. So I've said to Alex and Josiah, well, now that we're done, should we jump in the lake naked? They're like, no, that's weird. I'm like, I agree, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Cut that off, we're not, some things aren't meant to be passed on from one generation to another. All right, there are other resources that you can find on our resource page. Ages, stages, opportunities, again, with the quality and quantity time that you and I have. Here's what's fascinating also is as it pertains to you as a parent, do you know that uh, raising kids is probably the best opportunity that God gives us to practice the fruit of the Holy Spirit? We see this time and time again. Think about how this applies to parenting. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and oh yes, self-control. I can tell you having children has probably been one of the greatest tools that God has used in my own discipleship journey with him and producing that in my own life. Again, quantity and quality time. Find something they're interested in. Join them in their interest. With the boys, it was a lot easier for me because a lot of our interests aligned when they were younger. And now I have a girl. I didn't grow up with girls. And now I'm doing art stuff and I'm doing, you know, girl stuff. And I'm just like, how do I, how do, I do some of these things? But getting into what they're interested in is key. You see, this is probably the best way my dad showed me he loved me. It was that he was not a physical touch, you know, kind of person. But I can barely remember a time when either my mom or dad was not at one of my events or activities. Just to show me that I mattered to them. In fact, uh, this, this week, uh, once again, I get to have the fourth annual uh, daddy-daughter dance embarrassment show, you know, that takes place as I go and my daughter just laughs at me for a couple hours. But it means a lot to her. So I get to enter into something that's uncomfortable for me, but that she absolutely loves. Or recently, you know, I got some advice from some, uh, guys, male, uh, some guys in our church who've gone through this, you know, this stage of life. And I'm just thinking, how do I connect with the boys as they get older? I'm at their activities and events. How do we do this? And one guy clued me in and said this. He goes, you got to keep dating your kids. I said, well, dating your kids? Well, that's weird. What, how do you do that? I get it when she's 12 and I can do that with the daughter. How do I do it with a 17-year-old young man? And he said, find something that they're interested in. Find something. So I'm trying to figure out, is it video games? Is it hanging out? Is it, is it? So I've realized very quickly, like with Alex, it's food. That's what it is. The guy loves to eat. He eats all the time. So we've set up twice a month on Sundays after church. We go and I ask him to pick a place. And we just go have, you know, uh, lunch together. And we just be able to talk, you know, about things over food. And it's just become, you know, just a recent thing. But I just appreciate the godly advice that I have received from other men who've gone through this to even help me in my age and stage as I continue to navigate how to be a good dad to my kids. So we've talked about godly support, loving touch, abundant time, and finally for today, impactful words. Impactful words. Now, one of the mistakes that I know I make as a dad, this is something I regularly make, is I talk too much. I try to teach and train too much. I try to give too much advice and correction we need to learn as parents to be still and listen as much as we talk. James 1.19, think about this from a parenting standpoint. My dear brothers and sisters, moms and dads, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If that isn't a parenting verse, I don't know what is, 
right? What a great one to kind of put, you know, somewhere as a reminder. Okay, don't know. I'm going to be slow to speak. I'm going to ask more questions, and I'm going to be slow to get angry. I'm going to help process with them. So do we creating intentional times for these conversations? One of the best ways to do this is asking open-ended questions. Most of the time we get into the habit. How was your day? Good. All right, we'll see you later. How was church? Great. Okay, awesome. Open-ended question is, what is something that was interesting that took place today? What is something new that you learned? What is something that you're struggling with? All of a sudden, it can create, if it's open-ended question, an opportunity to engage at a different level. And always find time for encouragement. Words matter to all people, but especially to kids. First Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. In this day and age, it might be text messages, just moments or passages of scripture, or just encouragement. Could be letters to your kids. Uh, one of the things that's happened in our family that I told you with my 20-year-old is he communicates to me through TikTok. That's what he does. He, I probably get half a dozen TikToks every single day from him. I try to watch them respond, and then it leads to a conversation for us to engage in some kind of connection and opportunity. Now, with that being said, there are three f- phrases that are some, are some of the most impactful a child can receive. There's three of them. Here they are. I love you. When's the last time that you actually told your child, I love you? And the best part and the biggest opportunity we have is to say, I love you no matter what. To reinforce that over and over and over, whether you behave well or not, whether you get good grades or not, whether you're successful or not, your, my love for you will never go away. Will never go away. Where do we get that idea from? Jesus, he loves us no matter what. He wants us in his presence. Now, loving doesn't mean going along and approving of what your kids do, but it does mean it's not conditional, you know, on their attitudes or their behaviors. And they need to hear that verbally from time to time. In fact, I'd say daily, don't leave a day if you can without telling your kids you love them. Second phrase that's very powerful in the life of a child, especially is I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Uh, it's fascinating of the life of Jesus when he goes to get baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John, that of all situations, this is at the beginning of his ministry journey, he comes up out of the water and his father in heaven says these words, this is my son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. Fascinating, because he hasn't done anything yet, not of the significance he's about to do, I mean, you think if that phrase is ever going to come from God in heaven, it would be after the resurrection. Check out my son. I love him. Look what he did. I'm so proud of him. I am so pleased with how he did it. This is at the beginning. Before he's done anything that we read about in our Bibles, this is the voice from his father in heaven. When's the last time you told your kid you're proud of them? You're proud of them for who they are, for what they've done. The third most powerful phrase that you can give a child, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Guys, as parents, we mess up. We make mistakes, you know, all the time. Kids know that. They're not dumb. And how important is it as you tell them to say, hey, you're sorry, will you forgive? And you talked about other people or even with you that when given the opportunity that we take a humble pill and say, you know what? I blew it. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? What a model, what an opportunity for them to grow in their relationship with God and with other people. Then in verse 13, we read this back in Mark chapter 10. One day, some of the parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. There were words that Jesus gave over these kids. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. So we have an opportunity 
to find different moments in a child's life and to give them a blessing. Well, what is that? A blessing is God's favor being poured out. This is God pouring out. Sometimes the blessing, we see this like, uh, we say this to other people when, when they have success or material possessions. God has blessed you. And that may be very well true, but it's also a spiritual as well as it is material. Like for example, Ephesians 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. See, a blessing is God giving power to do what he created us to do. It's, it's speaking that power, that, 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 uh, that blessing over somebody's life. The first blessing you ever see in the Bible is when God blesses the animals and then he blesses Adam and Eve and he blessed them and said... He gave them power to do what he's about ready to tell them. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and over animals that scurry along the ground. In fact, the common factor in all the blessings in the Bible that we read is this. It's always about God's kingdom. Every blessing that we receive from God, materially or otherwise, is never meant for us alone. God wants to use us to bless us our lives and families, so that we can be a blessing to other people, thus ushering in God's kingdom and his presence on this side of eternity before we get to the next. And so you and I have opportunities to speak specific blessings of the character and the qualities and the things that God has called our children to be and do on a semi-regular basis. It's not going to be an everyday experience, but there's going to be moments. Like, let me tell you a moment that's taking place uh, with our boys. As they've gone into high school, uh, we took a page out of uh, this, this book called Raising a Modern Day Night, and one of the activities in there is before they go into high school, invite other men who have influence in their lives, spiritual influence in their lives, outside the home, and invite them to a gathering. And you bring them to, like for us, we brought them to our house, uh, and we have a meal together, and then each of the guys are assigned a specific topic that they see in my son Josiah and my son Alex. And then as an addition to that, then they give them a token of remembrance for what they talked about. And I was so blown away. I can't tell you as a, as a dad how significant it was to see other men, godly support from other places in his life, speak truth and blessing in his life in a very significant and powerful way at a point in which his life and which is needed. And so that's something that we have done as just another encouragement you know, for you, even as an aunt, even as a grandparent, even as, as somebody else who might have somebody in your life. Now, if you're like me, you're processing, wait, damn, this is great. This is good. But what about discipline? What about correction? What about boundaries? That's next week, folks. We knew the entire message needed to be on boundaries and discipline and to spend a whole week on that because the Bible has a lot to say about that. So we're going to save that for next week. Now, others of you, did you miss it? For those of you who don't have kids, whether your kids are in the home or not, did you let the message just go by your head? Or did you realize that all four of these things apply to many of the healthy relationships that you have in your life. Do you have godly support in your life, whether you're a parent or not? Do you have those who give appropriate touch, encouragement, handshakes, hugs, laying on of hands for prayer, whatever it may be? Do you have people 
who are taking time to invest in you and you investing in them? Do you have people speaking words of life and encouragement in the name of Jesus in your life? And are you doing that to somebody else's life? See how all this applies to all of our relationships, even though we're talking about parenting. Now, you were listening at the beginning. I said, there are gifts from God, stewardship gifts and ownership gifts. I wonder if you know the ownership gift that he's given us. There's a couple. But if you start thinking, well, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, you're like, well, what gift do we even have? There's one significant gift of ownership that God has given to every single person on this earth, which obviously includes you and me, and that is this, the gift to choose whether or not you will follow him. The gift to choose every day whether or not you're going to continue to follow him. The gift to choose whether you're going to raise your kid unto him or not. The ownership gift that he's given us, that he gave to Adam and Eve back in the garden, that he gives us today is you and I get to choose. So on, what, on this day, with that gift of ownership, what will you choose? As we close, which one of the following will you focus on applying this week in your children or with those around you? And I would just say choose one. Godly support, loving touch, abundant time, or impactful words. And maybe the most significant choice you can make today is to choose to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to raise my kids or make an influence of those around me in his name. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today and the opportunity to just to learn some timeless principles to be reminded that these relate to all relationships. And I pray, Father, for anyone who's in this room who's not yet given that choice over to you, that if you're drawing someone to yourself, that they would say even their hearts and minds right now before you, I choose to follow you. Lord, hear those prayers. Father, there's others in this room who, who've not made that choice just today. I choose to parent for you. I choose to live today for you. Father, may we make that choice every day. And thank you for the times that we don't, that your grace and your forgiveness is always offered. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.